Welcome to Polycast, a civilization podcast focused on game strategy. Canis Albinus. Makalua. The Man Team. Mega Bears Fan. Alright, welcome to Polycast episode 395. This is uh, Canis Albinus, and I'm joined with our full cohort of podcast crew today. We have Makalua. <clears throat> Hello. The me and team. I'm myself, listening to myself. And Mega Bears fan. Oops, I'm sorry. I feel like I need coffee this morning, and I don't even drink coffee. (laughs) Well, it is 9.18 for you. Yep, I get up early for you, Polycast listeners. You better like it. Yep. East East Coast is significantly easier than West Coast in that respect. But hey, at least on the West Coast, we don't have to be staying up till midnight to watch football games. So, eh. Ah, yeah. The, the football schedule on Sundays is very nice on the West Coast. You start at 10, and it ends at like 8 or 9. Well, I'm still at the church at 10, so it'd be a little early for me. Let's head on to our news topic. <clears throat> yeah, because we all noticed Civ had a little patch the other day. Was it something useful, like some crash fixes or something? No, no, it's the 2K launcher again. It's like, great. Because, you know, if you go in and you read the Steam, <clears throat> Steam comments, everybody's like, thanks, guys. That's just what we needed for Christmas was another launcher. Oh, look, I can't launch the game now. Like so- a new launcher? Like not the one that the game had before, but like they patched in a new one? It's a new, It's the same launcher. It's the same launcher, but it's like a new version of it. But of course, ha, ha, luckily, the first page, somebody already put in that fix from before where, here, if you, you want to skip the launcher, here you go. You know, but, you know, somebody suggested, could you just burn all the servers that house the launcher to the ground? It's crazy. I've, I've even started seeing indie games now that have launchers. And it's like, why? Nobody wants your launchers. Put them back in the box. It, it, that- it's indie <laughs> studios that only have one game and the game is still in early access. And there's a launcher. It's like, yeah, why do you need a launcher? <laughs> so they hope they last long enough to have multiple games. So here's uh, what the actual fi- things they added in this update were, according to the release notes. Added an option to t- to check for new 2K launcher updates in the application settings. <laughs> 2K launcher is now using the new 2K logo. Add troubleshooting to clear cache by pressing by pressing C during app loading, and then some bug fixes. That are basically nothing. And if I recall correctly, like a few months ago, we went over like a comprehensive list of bugs that are still in the game on the uh, Siphonatics forums. And there's some like significant ones. There's a pretty big one that we hadn't discussed that uh, I didn't put on the topic list today because it's pretty insular, but it's pretty uh, game breaking. It's something along the lines of if you are using the uh, dramatic ages mode, Something happens at turn 1,000 that basically makes the game unplayable. Oh. I don't turn 1,000 or turn 1,000? Turn 1,000. Wow. <laughs> Which is, it seems like a really big problem for a game like this, because if you're playing on epic speed, 1,000 is the end of the game, but if you're playing on marathon speed, that's 
the Middle Ages? You've barely gotten started. And it's yeah. Does, does yeah. epic speed go up to turn a thousand? I thought it only went to like six or eight hundred turns. Maybe it. Maybe epic doesn't go up that high, but I know that marathon goes to at least fifteen hundred. Yeah, marathon probably. But the, I think standard length is four hundred, and I thought epic was just twice. Oh, is it five? Okay, yeah. then yeah, then then epic I think is twice that, so it probably does end on turn a thousand then. But yeah, and thanks there's... thanks for putting all this work into this launcher that nobody wants. <laughs> yeah, that everybody's like, thanks for nothing. Is this going to fix the fact? Because even I've had this. I mean, they're having problems even launching a game, and it still just crashes straight out. I've had multiple times during the multiplayer sessions over the past few months of where the game just crashes on the turn rollover for no good reason. And we have to relaunch the rehost the game and everything. It's, you know, I got, I got, I got semi hopeful when I saw that Civ patch downloading, but then I saw about all the comments about this being the 2k thing. And I'm like, are you serious? Looking at the, uh, the launcher comments to the steam, to the steam news update. There are 169 <laughs> comments. And I think I counted one that was lukewarm, and the rest were all various shades of very negative. Yeah, what a surprise. Yeah, there was the one guy near the beginning that was actually halfway polite about, hey, guys, we know you do work on this, but we don't need this. Take it away, please. But everybody else was basically, well, I don't see much swearing, but that's what they're thinking. Yeah. Nobody wants your launcher. Uh, yeah, the uh, there was like the post by Unfortunate. Every third-party launcher is a resource drain and avenue for bugs and crashes. It's true, like, what value are we getting out of the launcher that merited working on it in the first place? Well, I don't know about value to the consumer, but I think the value to the publisher is that it allows them to advertise other products mm-hmm. to the, the player. So I guess, you know, the cynical, the cynics in us should all just be thankful that they're not advertising to us directly in the game. And, oh, crap, I just gave them an idea. Well, well they used to. Yeah. Because there used to be a go, a go beyond Earth thing in Civ Five. We yeah. also have a. Uh, I see we have a comment on the uh, the YouTube feed from uh, Carl Blank Shane saying the biggest thing I want fixed is the missing floating hair on the leader screens. <laughs> I, now I was under the impression that that was like a graphics card incompatibility thing, but I don't know. Do do any of you know if there's any workarounds or fixes for that? I'm sure I, something no. exists somewhere that can fix it, but it might be like reg edit or something i don't know yeah, i i know that's been like issues with hair not rendering properly has been a problem with civ 6 like since its launch on certain machines or with certain graphics cards but i don't know offhand if there's any like fixes for it because i've personally never had that problem the only uh related problem that i've had is when i play it on my uh my tablet uh, which you know obviously isn't nearly as powerful as my laptop machine, and I play on like the lower graphics settings. Uh, the leaders all have like gray, white, or silver hair. Everybody just looks like Steve Martin hair. <laughs> Reminds me of the old days when, in the Civ Four games, you could have places where the face for, for fails to render, so it's just the teeth and the eyes floating. Oh yeah, I think I remember seeing that. That's terrifying. It's like, well, that would be great for Halloween, but the rest of the time, ah. Well, somebody actually did mention the dramatic ages mode thing in the com- a few pages down in the comments about the launcher. So you think they'd pay attention, but nope, they're too busy making their stupid launchers. Yeah, and I like to play with the uh, uh, what is it, the corporations mode? But like, apparently, there's a bug in that where the it causes the um, AIs to just never improve uh, anything until they can put a corporation on the resource, which like, I've also noticed completely that. breaks the game. Yeah. What? 
I yeah. had not noticed that, but wow. Yeah, we, we discussed that, like I said, a few months ago when we were going through some of those comprehensive bug lists of, of bugs that are still in the game. And I wasn't like aware of that until someone brought it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that must be why when I when my armies go into enemy territory to start uh, raising and pillaging stuff, there's nothing there worth pillaging. Yeah. Problems with the game. And that's a you know, that's also let's that affects like the entire game. That's not like an end of game crash. That's the whole game long. The AIs are now playing worse because of this annoying bug. This is one of those things we figured would happen if they did too many patches like that. But yeah, yeah, it is exactly what I was afraid of with having all these interchangeable, you know, game mode modules where you just you end up with a lot more little compatibility bugs where especially if you start mixing and matching them, you're going to end up with all kinds of crazy results. And it's just really hard to test stuff like that. Next topic? Question. Question mark. I'll give you a next topic. Maybe we'll be given something else too. We'll see. Um, so this one is covering the Civ Give 2021, which is a charity event. I am not familiar with the streamers who are participating in this, but there's going to be a uh, 10 player free for all game coming up on December 19th. They're trying to raise $50,000 for Extra Life, a nonprofit that raises money for local sick kids, uh, hospitals, and Children's Miracle Network, according to the post on Siphonatics. This is any the, uh, this any guesses is on who will win? We still don't have three of the players revealed, though, and I'm not familiar with any of them. This is being done by the other Civ podcast, which is much more popular than us, and we're not bitter at all, I promise. <laughs> I didn't even know about them. <laughs> well, they have a much bigger uh, listener base than we do, and I'm very serious when I say that doesn't matter to us because we're not really interested in going big. So that's just more work. Differently. Well, yeah, it's more work, and also it's uh, a lot more bandwidth consumption. So we're happy with our little audience that likes to listen to us. As long as we're still the official podcast of Sif uh, Fanatics, I think we're we're happy. We're not the official podcast of Civ Fanatics and never have been. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> like 15 years ago, we were the official podcast of Apolitan, but that, oh, that's ended, right. But that, that's, that's right. That's why it's called Polycast and not Civcast. But um, yeah, good on them for doing something that we didn't have the ability to do. They got yeah. 2K involved too. 2K is going to match whatever they have, I think, up to something. What was it the 2K said? They tweeted about it. Matches up to 25,000. So if they get halfway to their goal, they'll match that. Yeah. Candace is secretly the 10th player and is going to mop the field. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> These are all multiplayer people who are much better at the game than I am. You never know. You could maybe uh, pull something off with Diplo. Civ 6 doesn't have Diplo. What are you talking about? I, when I say you can pull something off with Diplo, I don't mean winning a Diplo victory. Just sneak a religious victory under their noses. I mean the kind of Diplo that gets you to win Dominions against players that are better than you at scripting. Ah. It's possible. I don't know where Vegas would set the odds on that, but it can happen. 100 million to one? Let me run down to the sports book real quick and ask. <laughs> Get lots of funny stares. <laughs> Well, I mean, they would probably be able to give you some framework just because there is betting on various uh, esports these days. Oh, yeah. So, so like, they could be like, OK, well, what's the relative strength of the players and whatnot? And even if they had no idea who anybody playing was, I'm sure they could give you like 
somewhere they would start it hypothetically. Yeah, some of the uh, the bigger casinos and bigger sports books do indeed have uh, esports betting. I, I don't ever see any of that stuff because you know I go to one of the like you know suburban sports books just just for locals and one of the smaller ones. But uh, yeah, even in the um, even in the football stadium for the Raiders, they have like a big like gaming bar, Twitch branded gaming bar in there. Yeah, that seems odd. Hey, if you if you want to give people the chance to gamble, I mean, why not, right? Got to make some money. I don't think they do gambling at the stadium, but yeah, they do. Like, I don't know what the heck people are in there streaming or watching. Like, you're supposed to be there to be watching a football game, but whatever. I don't know. Maybe they're just with people who have family members who don't like football. Oh, it's like a daycare for 24-year-olds. <laughs> nice. Well, I was thinking 16 to 18-year-olds, but yeah, that works. A daycare center for 30-year-olds who still live in their parents' basements. To be fair, I lived with my grandparents until I was 30. But that yeah, was well, that was a different situation. One of the nice things about being Florida man is that there's really no living in a parent's basement. Well, because that's where <laughs> no basements are, right? There's no basements. Yeah, good luck with that. That's, Unless that's you're aquatic. Where, yeah, that's where you keep all your crocodiles. And, you know, don't forget, we also have um, pythons now, or whatever. Yeah. We're working on those, too. I always get amused when they talk about the iguana rain when it gets cold in Florida. The iguanas just fall out of the trees. Oh, that's not one I see a lot, but... Well, it doesn't happen very often, but because there are a lot of invasive iguanas living in the wild in Florida, when it gets cold, they uh, lose their ability to do stuff, and they just fall. And then when it warms up again, they get back to normal, but... You'll walk around sometimes and you'll see, oh, look, there's like 15 iguanas falling on the floor, hmm. which to like me seems like a good excuse to get them and take them to the invasive species removal dump. But I, I do see that later on down the thread, there is a, a second picture that has the other three players. And one of them is someone who we all probably recognize uh, and it's Potato Mitiski. Oh, there we go. The, yeah. The tenth player. Yeah, and I see a, that now. And then a couple posts down below that, we have someone with a Martok uh, avatar image from Star Trek Deep Space Nine saying they've raised 11 bucks. Nice. I have no idea how accurate that is, but uh, if so, that's uh, not quite $50,000 yet. So well, I still further down, go. somebody said they got to 12K, so. Oh, okay. That's a little closer. I have it. It keeps it shows up in my uh, Twitter feed every once in a while. Which I do not have access to because my laptop is currently in the middle of blue screening. But if I can get it to come back up, I can find their most recent tweet. By the way, don't let your laptops get too hot. They will eventually start blue screening randomly, and it's really bad. It's really annoying. I don't like it. I'm going to pick Potato McWhiskey just because I recognize him, even though uh, the other players might also be really strong, but who knows? Yeah, probably a good plan. Let's pick the person I recognize just to be... Also, I know like that. <clears throat> we all know he can pull off some really unconventional strategies and stuff, too. So, Yeah, but the multiplayer scene is usually pretty standard. It's hard to surprise good players in multiplayer. So like, if even a couple of these players are like strong in that venue, then I would expect them to not fall for anything too out there. And a lot of the exploit kind of things that like uh, Potato Big Whiskey and Spiffing Brit and people like that do uh, relies on, you know, cooking map settings and, and stuff like that to get something that will allow you to perform that crazy powerful exploit. Or the AI to allow it, yeah. Yeah, so not necessarily something you can do in just any game that you jump hmm. into. There's well, I'm sure he'll utilize whatever you can. 
<laughs> for yeah, it's multiplayer. All is fair in love and multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. Unless they're doing house rules, I don't like multiplayer games a lot of times when it comes to like long laundry lists of house rules. That's why, like, even though I have so much time in paradox games, I just don't play them multiplayer. Well, that and the awful logistics of it, because trying to schedule a game with more than a couple people simultaneously is just a nightmare. We and then, like, one it. person has a tech problem and you never actually play. So that's an issue, too. But uh, but that could also be an issue in Civ if you have enough players. Somebody's going to have a problem somewhere. Yeah, and then somehow there's games like Battlefield that get, like, 120 <laughs> simultaneous players in a match. Yeah, no, it's well, they're, they're more for built it. for it, though. Well, yeah. Because without other players, you can't play a shooter like that. Yeah, well, Civ is definitely not a drop-in, drop-out, 20-minute, you know, skirmish kind of game like uh, like something like Battlefield or even Call of Duty. I have I do not see a listing of what the current number is up to, but I do see that people are allowed to vote on things like what the Natural Wonders will be and what the what Civ each player plays and oh gosh that's awful leaving the uh the Civ that you're gonna play as up to a popular vote on the internet <laughs> yeah. I think everyone should be forced to play like the most terrible everybody is Georgia <laughs> yeah oh that's even better because of all the wall emphasis <laughs> well, let's see how many how many players go for it it looks like Potato McWhiskey has a pie chart here. Uh, 34.4% England, 39.9% Rome, 25.7% Indonesia. England, huh? Isn't England still considered to be not very good? It would depend maybe. on the map somewhat. Yeah, maybe it depends on the leader, too. It's a seven seas map, so they probably aren't going to be very good. Mm. Then again, they aren't very naval-focused compared to the way they used to be now, because they're more industrial now. Well, and especially with the uh, leader, Eleanor, it's all it's also very uh, culture-oriented. Yeah. Yeah, other than like trolling him specifically, he doesn't like England. I don't know. That's uh like they're not like good enough or bad enough that I would have expected them to be a leader for him to have to play. Rome's pretty solid. Yep. move on to our uh, forum talk our forum forum talk see this is why i need to stop doing this i'm losing my mind uh forum top topic forum talk topic top 10 strategy games according to turn-based gamer or turn-based lovers and this is a uh top 10 list which dan would love yeah going back to our roots here yeah and this is uh all this is just like one person's list right like this isn't a vote I uh, think it's a single person's list. Because looking through this, uh, there's some eyebrow-raising stuff that made it slash didn't make it. At number 10, <laughs> Master of Magic. Can't go without that one, even though nobody remembers it today. It's a shame. Although I think they're remaking it, or something like that. They are. It's not out yet, though, I don't think. Number 9 is Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri. You know, can't uh, uh, go without that one. That one is a classic. Well, the real eye-raiser... The real eye raiser to me is where that one falls in relation to the next one. Yeah, number eight is Sid Meier's Civilization Four Colonization, which uh, I don't know if I'd call that one of the best 4X games. It's really strange. Yeah, how does get on here over Civ Four? Like, what the heck? 
And, yeah. and definitely not better than Alpha Centauri. I mean, no, I would have thought this, Alpha Centauri would be like top three. And this is also the basically the version that was almost like a modded Civ Four, basically. You know, yeah. not the original either. Yeah, it's it specifically yeah. says the Civilization Four colonization in parentheses two thousand eight. So it's not even like both of them or either of them. I mean, I like that game mode just fine. I had a lot of fun playing it, but I don't know if I would rank it higher than Alpha Centauri for sure or in any top 10 list of best turn-based strategy games ever. I believe the reason there's no Civ 4 on this list is because you, you they don't want to put the same series of main series games more than once. Well, So, because Civ 6 is on the list, presumably. So maybe this is their way is. of saying, of really saying Civ 4 is ranked 8th, and we like that better than Alpha Centauri, but we our rules don't let us put it on there, so we'll do this technicality. Yeah. Hmm. Number seven is Scythe, which is a board game that has become alternate. That has become a computer game. It looks like. Um, yeah, kind of surprised to see a, a, a literal board or you know PC adaptation of a board game in here. Yeah, a little but strange. Guess it it it's turn based. It, it counts, I guess. Well, there the the list is is four X, and the writer is turn based lovers. So. Presumably, yeah. we won't see any real-time strategy games on a list made by on a website called Turn-Based Lovers. Even though they do technically count as uh, 4X, and there are some excellent entries in real-time strategy in addition to 4X, but whatever. Number six, Master of Orion 2, Battle and Antares. I think uh, we all appreciate them not using Master of Orion 3. <laughs> yes. They could have picked the first one, too. Both good games. No, they do a point that the second one improved upon some of the things from the first one, you know. Yeah. Was... I never played Master of Orion 2, but I did play Star Trek Birth of the Federation, which was basically just a Star Trek reskin of uh, Master of Orion 2. And I enjoyed it a lot, even though the game was broken and buggy and the AI just blatantly, explicitly cheated. It was not the most polished of games, but uh, middle schooler me, who was a big Star Trek nerd, loved it. <laughs> a shame that series ended. Yeah, there was a, a Master of Orion like indie reboot like a couple of years ago. It actually had some pretty high production quality. They got like some quality voice actor. Like Mark Hamill does a voice for one of the alien uh, leaders in that game. Ooh. It's it's not a it's not a bad game. It's not hugely complex. I, I kind of thought of it as like a you know baby's first four X game kind of thing. You know, it's really simple, really scaled down. I don't know if they've upgraded it or had expansions or anything in the few years since I played it, but it was not bad. It just you know, wasn't quite as robust and involved as, you know, some of the older games had been. I played it one time, and on turn three, my uh, home system's star started going supernova. And that was the end of my game, and that was the end of my interest in that particular series. Yeah, that, that is that is a lot worse than uh, a river flooding and yeah. taking, out, taking out the one farm you built. You had oh, 15 turns yeah. to leave the system. And uh, I don't think I was able to build a colony ship fast enough. Was it, this was on the old Master of Orion games? No, this or was on, on the, the new reboot, one, the 2016 okay. one. That's lame. Number five, Endless Legend. Uh, no surprise there. People like that game. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's just with our thing earlier. Why is this ahead of Alpha Satori? Yeah, I don't think I would put it on that list <clears throat> that high. It does scratch that certain inch of you want to do turn-based, but you want something more fantasy kind of-ish, you know? 
and you get that thing you get the, it 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 reminds me a lot of master of magic because you are at some points delving into dungeons and things with a party which is very much kind of like what you did in that game and you know yeah close as you get to a modern remake so far closest released version at least yeah and then we have number four age of wonders planetfall i know nothing about the age of wonders series well, the original ones were all fantasy type one, but this one is a sci-fi version. I've, I've had it sitting on my wish list for a while because when it first came out and a lot of people were playing it and I was watching, it's like, well, this is different because you're doing some of the similar things that you would do with Endless Legend or Master of Magic, but sci-fi themed. Face opera it, kind it, of It thing. looks interesting, but I haven't, I guess it hasn't hit the price point. I'm like, okay, now it's interesting enough for me to play. It says here, the game's space opera setting allows for all kinds of over-the-top units like Tyrannosaur riding Amazons and lightning spewing cyborgs. That is an interesting sentence. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that. Number three, Heroes of Might and Magic three. I'll ask Phil how he feels about that. Yeah, I was gonna say ask Phil. I, if you're talking about a turn-based top ten strategy game list of all time, I would say that Heroes three belongs somewhere on it, and I would put it pretty high up on it. It's one of the better turn-based strategies that I've played. Yeah, um, one that doesn't get love and I, i'm not going to spoil you it's not going to be here either that really does also belong for consideration on a list like that is the warlords two and three uh, out of the that series before it turned into like warlords battle cry and all that stuff but as a turn-based strategy game in the 90s there were a few things that could compete with that in terms of its quality it was way ahead of its contemporary civ games uh, arguably well ahead of current civ games in ui design yes and uh, some other things you know you can make a case either way it certainly didn't have the depth that like Civ 4 or 6 have in terms of its uh, strategic stuff. But uh, yeah, <laughs> there are some ways that it is better than any Civ iteration, but there are other ways that Civ 4 and 6 are better. Is number three here the best one of the Heroes of Might and Magic to put on a list, though? I would say so, yeah. Um, pretty much after five, you can pretend it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like two and four uh, were pretty good. Uh, I think Civ Five I would put second, although some people would put Civ or Hom Two second. Um, but Hom Five was really good too. But I think most players would say that uh, Hom Three is the best in the series, and I do think that it hit the best uh, balance overall uh, for that type of gameplay. But there are some like quality of life things in Five that I like. Number two, I don't know, they're good games. Oh, if you haven't ahead. tried them, they're worth a look. But they're the you are tested a lot more in your choices in battles than you would be in something like Civ, for sure. There's a lot battles of on the there. map. Well, like when you get into a fight, uh, then you are using the creatures that you have uh, built up uh, and the magic that you have available in order to win the fights. And the value you can get out of that if you're a good player versus an average player versus a beginner is pretty impressive. All right, number two is Endless Space 2. Very good game. I haven't mm -hmm. played as much of it. But uh, it's apparently considered the best uh, space 4X currently on the market in terms of uh, games released in the last several years. I played the first Endless Space, and then I bought Endless Space 2, but I just have yet to get around to actually uh, installing it and playing it. Yeah, it's been a while since I've played a game of it, but even when, I was for, when it had first come out and I was playing it, it, yeah, I did enjoy it. And there was a little bit more storiness to it which is different from other things because as you're playing through as uh, each species the first time you know and you're going through their storyline and it's interesting to see where it's going with that 
Yeah, that seems to be an emphasis of uh, Amplitude's games because they did some of the some similar stuff also with the Humankind as well. Humankind does not appear on this list. Yeah, well, it might not have come out yet when the list was made. Um, or it's too young in terms of how long it's been on the market. Humankind actually has mixed reviews on Steam right now. Yeah, I've been seeing like YouTube videos and stuff saying like the game is dead and you know nobody's playing it. I, I haven't watched yep. many of those. I I like the game just fine, so I'd be surprised if that were the case. There are a number of very serious bugs that are in the game that have not been fixed yet, and it's been five months. So I, I are... kind of I kind of look at all the games. I kind of look at the the launch version of Civ Five as like my bar, and as long as you're better than than that was, uh, <laughs> I'm not like, a all right. That's a pretty bar. low it's, bar. It's, it's not a very high bar, but I, I'll say if if you if you stuck it through with Civ Five, then you know Humankind in its current state is still far better than Civ Five was in its first like four to six months. Didn't Turncast like stop playing Civ Five until Gods and Kings came out? We did stop for a while, and we went back to Civ Four, despite that Civ Five was the newer title for at least some time. I don't remember how long precisely. Yeah, yeah when the shiny newness wore off and all the bugs were getting in our face, it's like, oh, uh, you know, we could do some more Civ Four, you know. But then Gods and Kings came out, and Civ Five became the main again. Gods and Kings was like, oh, hey, we heard you didn't like this game, so let's fix it. Well, to to be fair though, I I think Civ Five already had started to get a lot better even before Gods and Kings came out. Mm. It was so, somewhere around six to eight months into the game's release, they started patching, you know, doing a lot of like very very major like design uh, rebalances in the patches. Like they got rid of the things where like every city just gave you like two gold and two science, so you weren't just spamming cities everywhere yes. anymore. They rebalanced all of the like. The, the resources and yields and stuff like that and, and started adding in like the buildings that give you extra yield, like the stoneworks and things like that, that made the, the resources feel more valuable. And, and at that point, the game started to really turn around in my opinion. And then, you know, gods and Kings was where it kind of was like, okay, now it's like legit good. You see, they lost me there uh, for most of the ship five life cycle because of some of those design choices. I really I really did not appreciate the anti-competition incentive created by the city penalties from just having additional cities. Yeah, like Civ- that was a deal breaker for me. Civ Five had some of those had that tall versus wide cancer that we talk about a lot. Yeah, yeah. it did swing very hard in the the opposite direction. That's that's definitely true. Yeah, I mean, I understand that you if you don't need something to disincentivize ICS. It's at least nice to make people think twice about uh, making investments that would otherwise be obvious. But, man, going to the point where it's an active detriment to claim resources on an, uh, what would otherwise be a limited game map is pretty rough. And the AI <laughs> I mean, Some people never... liked it. I mean, it was it's still a reasonably popular game today. So, like, it's not like they're objectively wrong or something. But at least for my preference set, they certainly are. Uh, so they lost me on that on that design choice, but then they, they seem to have gotten a pretty dedicated player base out of it. So they still uh, whatever works. They still rank in the top twenty five most played games on Steam every day. So yeah, Civ Six isn't quite in the top ten, but it's pretty close. Usually around twelfth or fifteenth. And of course, last on the list, number one, Civ Six. Who's surprised? I mean, we're talking about it, and we haven't mentioned it yet. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't agree with it being placed here as like the best 
strategy game of all time. Like that's kind of much for me, but it's a good game. <laughs> I mean, we. Well, I, I think you know most of us don't even consider it the best Civilization game of all time, let yeah, alone best strategy game. I yeah. think most of us would probably go with Civ Four. Yeah, I would. I would but pick it, Civ Four for certain. But in a sense, it's basically saying that the series is the best series of all time, and it is. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much kind of the grandfather of it on the PC. So Yeah, I kind of look at uh, as Civ 4 and Civ 6 is almost at this point being like a toss-up for me, you know, similar to like asking me whether I prefer Star Trek 2 or Star Trek 6. I'm like, eh, it depends on what day you ask me and what my mood is and which one I've watched most recently. Yeah. Although I will say that like uh in terms of like uh visuals and and you know, stuff like that. It is hard to go back to Civ Four and go back to being on like square grids and uh, <laughs> and and stuff like that. That's uh, it's always like, oh. Well, I'm doing stuff like Dominion's multiplayer, so uh, the graphics are clearly not uh, too big of a draw for me. That said, like I man, Dominion's is fantastic in multiplayer, but yeah, it's it's single player experiences would hold it back enough that it would make a list like this. And then I always have to remember to leave units in my cities whenever I try playing a game of Civ Four again, so that a barbarian <laughs> doesn't just walk in and conquer my capital. I know I've gotten so used to not having to do that that if I tried to uh, go back and play Civ Four, I would totally forget. Yeah, just send all, all my warriors go. Yeah, what? All my warriors go out and explore, and then a little barbarian camp spawns like right next to my capital. And I'm like, oh crap. On the upside, though, at least it only takes a few turns to build a unit in Civ Four, unlike Civ Six, where it can take you know forever. And you can whip. That's yeah, right. so didn't even have barb camps. They just spawned in the fog, at least two, well, more than two tiles away from a unit. Yeah. So. Well, or they'd have a city. Yeah, city but hugs. cities rarely, uh, cities actually reduced the, the barb pressure because they didn't execute their own attacks very often and they would prevent other barbarians from spawning. So they would just like have their defensive units in the city and just sit there. Yeah, the, the barbs would just sit in the city instead of being out pillaging. Yeah. They did have like a script for barb cities to attack you with units now and then, but man, that was rare, few and far between. Compared to like just the spawn rate on high difficulties of barbs in the fog, cities are like a welcome sight to calm things down. Plus, you can conquer them if they're not placed in places. All right, I think it's a passable list. Maybe, maybe a little bit misordered, but that's usually yeah. how top ten lists are. You agree some with a couple things? Some strange emissions, but whatever. It's you know. For we're a personal list, going, too bad. Yeah, we're all not sitting here going, what the hell is this on this list? Ah, no. Yeah, the only one of the, like, order aside, the only thing that I can think of where I'm, like, actually confused as to the inclusion of an entry or omission of one is the inclusion of colonization and not Civ Four. But like we said, that's probably because they imposed some rule on themselves where they couldn't do multiple games in the same series. Yeah. All right, well, if you uh, are interested in making Civilization VI an even better game than uh, turn-based lover's number one 4X strategy game of all time, you could try using mods to do that. Unless, of course, you're playing on the Epic Store, which apparently does not have any of the mod tools. And we have a forum topic here from a user named uh, Question. Uh, asking how to get the Civ 6 SDK modding toolkit if you have the Epics Games version of Civ 6. And uh, the third reply on here from Pokeel is, uh, yeah, you can't. Apparently you can do things the other way where you can add non-game or non-Steam games to Steam, but apparently Epic does not yet have that functionality. 
Well, we'll just uh, put it on the long list of things that Epic doesn't do. Does Epic have a shopping cart yet? I don't I remember think so. that, be- that being a big thing oh that they didn't gosh. have when it launched. Is you had to, If you wanted to buy multiple games, especially during the big sales, you had to purchase each one individually because there was no shopping cart. And you uh, also have to make sure that you do it in intervals because if you do that all at once, your credit card company will say, uh, suspicious. Yep. <laughs> Somebody's willingly purchasing games on the Epic Store? What? No, I mean, this can't be right. I'm trying to think of any game that is on Epic that I really want to play. And there are a few, but I'm not going to play them enough. I don't want to play them enough that I'm willing to to uh, subject my computer to Tencent interference. The only one that even <laughs> comes close for me would be Old World. Well, yeah. there's uh, that game that won a couple games that there awards at the Game Awards, uh, Kina. But that's just because I'm a little weird. Don't worry, they'll get, many of these will get proper releases later. Yeah, that's what I am expecting. They always do. They come out on Steam and suddenly be they, they become popular after being unknown for a year or so. Well, you say they always do, but they're, I can think of one exception offhand, because uh, I play the game still, and that would be uh, Rocket League. Oh, well, Rocket League is, is an exception to that rule, traitor. I didn't get it on the Epic Store. I didn't either, but I will refuse to play it. And technically, like console players could probably still play it without using the Epic Store. So uh, they have to use Epic Online services, though. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, and as much as I'd I'd like to say ha ha ha, we told you so with regard to you know not using the Epic Store. I, I do feel like that is unfortunate uh, because you know that probably does take away you know some of the. Uh, variety that we might have in the mod scene if uh if there are a lot of people playing you know civ 6 on epic and they're not able to mod then you know unfortunately they're not getting their ideas out there i I do very much feel like if you're going to sell a game you know on the same platform you know even if it is a different retailer people should the game should come with all of the things that you know it would come with if you're buying it from another retailer like i'm relatively certain that the infrastructure does not exist on the Epic Store for that to even work. Like, I don't think Epic has its own version of Steam Workshop or Steamworks. So it's well, like, even then, though, it's 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 not the issue of whether or not you can you can post the mods. It's the mod tools themselves, right? So that's just an application. Like, I don't know why that wouldn't they couldn't just have that application on Epic Stores and it just comes free with with Civ Six. Even if you have to publish them to Steam or whatever. Like you should still at least have the toolkit, or or maybe it's technically possible. And Epic just said no. You have no way of publishing that to Epic, so we're not going to let you do it. Maybe it's just a, a blessing in disguise, though, because I'm relatively certain nobody bought Civ on Epic. They just got it for free from one of their game candy give- giveaway things. So just remember that everybody who took the free Epic games took the mo- took money and food out of the developers' children's mouths. But I thought Epic paid for it, so you don't have to. Well that's, well, that's the other option. Also, you know, looking at stories with like some of the things that Activision has been doing, and I'm sure the other publishers do it too. The the whole not buying a game or getting it free, taking money out of the developers, uh, you know, paychecks or whatever, is totally not valid because these companies can make record profits and still lay off entire studios just to you know improve the bottom line. And Activision has been caught red-handed doing that multiple times and i'm sure the other ones do it too don't point out the fallacy in my logic i just want to dunk on epic <laughs> yeah, well we'll 
Well, we'll do that anyway. But, you know, also any opportunity to dunk on uh, Activision will also be taken. I mean, the the L.A. Times has done that enough. They're going to keep doing it, too. We don't need to get involved with that. Although I, I will also say that uh, uh, Epic owners of the Epic version of Civ Six are probably not alone in this regard, because I would be very, very surprised if any of the console versions of Civ Six have any of the mod tools. No, they don't. But that's expected on a console. Yeah. Like, the whole point of playing a PC game, if you are a console gamer, is mostly, hey, I can actually mod my game. This is really cool. Maybe this will make me play on the PC more. Nope. You can't do that with Epic. I think Bethesda had, like, a very short-lived attempt at uh, supporting mods on consoles for, like, Skyrim. And it, it just it died for some reason. Their first attempt... Club. Their first attempt did. Their second attempt is still ongoing, but very not not very popular. Yeah, because like, there's still such a strong modding scene that isn't pay that everybody's like, why should I pay you for these kind of eh mods when I can get these amazing mods for free off Nexus? Yeah, I think that was the big thing, is, is Bethesda wanted to charge people for the mods on the console version, and that was like a deal breaker for almost everybody, yeah. as it should be. Yeah. It was a massive lol no. Especially since, if I remember correctly, like they were giving either a really tiny cut or no cut at all to the actual mod creators. Which yeah, was just... that was the other part of it. I don't remember specifically, but I think it was like sixty percent went to to um, Bethesda. Oh, I yeah, thought it was wasn't even so much. More. Yeah, but it's not so much the actual cash part of it, but I think it was about the rights on the mods. Oh yeah, yeah, that too. I think there might have been restrictions where they weren't allowed to release those mods on the PC because uh-huh. Bethesda Bethesda claimed they owned them, and so they could only exactly po- they could only post them for sale on the console shops or whatever. And yeah, it was all kinds of crap like that. I'm glad it's, that other people have started ago. doing that. Yeah, it, it, this was years and years and years ago, though, so I don't remember all of, all of what happened, but it, it was a whole fiasco. Everybody hated it. <laughs> Even the mod creators hated it. It's just, yeah, just... It, 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 yeah, they were giving them a cut, but it wasn't about the money. It's the fact they were basically having to sell over this thing they'd poured all this work and love into to them and never have control over it again. Up in the top left corner, there's a little uh, message. Everybody hated that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sometimes I feel like we need something like that to show up on our real life eyes. Just like, yeah, you just lost karma. Well, just get yourself some of those, uh, what are they, the Google lenses or whatever? I think those have Google been... Google Glass? <laughs> do they even make those anymore? <laughs> I have no idea. I haven't heard anything about Google Glass in, like, years. Yeah, me neither. In yeah. fact, it was to the point where I didn't even remember what the heck it was called. I thought it was called Google Lens. <laughs> I think it's Microsoft Lens. Ah, okay, that must be the confusion. Well, I haven't heard anything about that in years either, so... Well, uh, what was the Microsoft um, VR thing? HoloLens? Sure, why not? The thing that I remember, there was a, a big deal because they showed it at Minecon, and it was really cool, and then everybody wanted it, and then it never came out, ever. And if I wasn't streaming right now, I would look it up, but, you know, busy doing a podcast... Hey, we've got some downs or something. It's a terrible segue, I know. <clears throat> Damn it. Now back over here. Oh, hold on a second. Ah, the weather here has been going back and forth, so therefore my voice is going back and forth, which is great.
Yeah. Anyway, are dams worth it? There's a poll here. We all love polls. And yes, most of the time one, but only by a little bit over situationally, which, yeah, the real answer is somewhere in between. Dams are useful a lot of the time, but it's also situational simultaneously. I think the comments largely came out on the side that dams are really good if you are looking for industrial production. And um, the loss in floodplains yields is not that bad because you build them so late. If you can tuck an industrial zone in between a, a dam and an aqueduct, like that is pretty sweet. And a canal as well. Yeah, that too. <laughs> well, good luck getting all three, but yeah. Yeah, you'll definitely get two of them, but not all three of them in one city, probably. Probably. It's not if impossible, you- but you wouldn't, you wouldn't start your game planning and get one of those. Well, and depending on the map and the layout of your cities, it's possible to have uh, multiple aqueducts and dams uh, adjacent to the same industrial zone, which gives you huge bonuses. And then build Ruhr Valley in that city? (laughs) Yep. The problem is, how are you going to use... Like, aqueducts are already marginal if if you're on a river anyway, so... Yeah, true. That's that's the big obstacle to to using them is like if you're in a situation where you would be putting down a dam, it's probably because your city is already on the river, in which case is the aqueduct the thing that's worth it? Not it's not a question of whether the dam is worth it. It's whether it's a question of whether the aqueduct is worth spending the time to build to make the dam worth building. Well, it is possible that the dam might be worth building if, for instance, there are four other cities downriver that might be affected by floods or something. Yeah, definitely. Also, do, I'm trying to remember, do aqueducts have any flood mitigation effects? I do not think so, unless it's the Great Bath. Yeah, it's just they they just raise your housing cap, right? And if you already are on the river, it only raises the housing cap by like two points or something like that. Yeah, basically yeah. what they're designed to do is give you freshwater access if you're not on a river. Right. And then they have some small marginal bonus if you are on the river. Yeah, housing bonus. I wonder if it would have been possible to scale the cost of the aqueduct based on whether or not you're already adjacent to a river. That might make them more worth building on river cities. Well, I mean, if you need the housing, you can make it, right? Like, it's... I don't think they're in that bad of a place right now, because you could just not build them. They're definitely a situational building. But when the situation is... In, like, a new city near a mountain, they can be quite worth. Oh, yeah, mountains also. I guess it's kind of, it's situationally useful, but when it's useful, it's very useful. Which I think makes it a decent building. Well, mm-hmm. and, and with the dams, too, the other thing is it lets you build a hydroelectric plant, which, uh, depending on how you progress through the tech tree, might even be available, like, contemporary with, or even, maybe even earlier than a coal plant. But it's it's clean energy, which prevents you from, yes. you know, dealing as much with the uh, you know, desertification and and flooding and stuff like that later because you delay some of the uh, climate change effects. Uh, Who cares about climate change? Just win the game faster and you'll be fine. Yeah, well, again, situational. (laughs) Or be friends with Valletta and buy your your, uh, flood barriers. I guess. I mean, you could also just not put cities in areas where a flood will screw you. Depending on the map, that might not be feasible, but very often you can avoid like like the difference in areas where a flood would screw you versus not is not very large so you can just not get screwed by floods or by uh climate change i mean it's certainly easy to not put the city centers on tiles that are going to flood but like when you're talking about districts and stuff like that it's it's really hard to not have something there 
Yeah, but like if <laughs> it's a percentage of empire thing, right? Like if you're getting benefit for like hundreds of turns or whatever, yeah, from that, then it floods in the late game. So what? Like you're probably wrapping up a win by then. Yeah, so you got just, your use out of that theater square or whatever the heck was there. Yeah, I don't like the late game anymore, but that's just me. Well, it's a long-running problem in Civ, yeah. generally. That even games like the original Master of Orion solved better than the Civ franchise, since we touched on them earlier. The the ability to end games that are over is such a nice design addition. Uh, Warlords also did that with both 2 and 3. And again, it was much appreciated when the game is over to just end it. I think it's also a lot easier to have a satisfying endgame in 4Xs that are like, you know, much more fictional than civilization, you know, things that are sci-fi or fantasy themed where you can have, you know, like uh, an actual like end of uh, like the an ending for the setting that's thematic. It's kind of hard to do that in a game that's, you know, based on or more based on real world history because uh, history hasn't ended yet. History keeps going. What are you so, talking about? History ended well, in 1991. Yeah, well... <laughs> History would uh, continue to go even if you, like, conquered the entire world somehow, though. And it would be very impractical in real-life terms to conquer the whole world. So, like, I don't know. Like, Civ Force domination victory was pretty good with that. But that's the closest Civ has come with it. I mean... Well, what, I, what I'm getting at, really, though, is I think one of the design challenges for Civ in particular is figuring out when is the game going to end and what is going to cause the game to end because again do do we do we stretch it out into the future do we you know do we end it you know in the modern day cuz i think there were there were previous versions of the game where the game ended in like 2020 didn't it or was it has it always been 2050 mm, i always remember 2050 but then i've gotten even into the 2000s i can count on one hand the number of times in any civ game so <laughs> i don't know i mean apostolic palace anyone well, okay, that's not a way to end the game that's over, though. That's a way to end the game, but it doesn't really fit. <laughs> that's a screw you guys, I'm going home way to win the game. <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm sick of this. Here, I'm just going to use all my Diplo power. Boom. I win. Now go away. Diplo power. It, it's, it's a cheese. Apostle Faust is just the cheese ending. <laughs> it's a giant cheese ball ending, yes. But normally, in a normal game, you wouldn't use that wonder to win. You would use it just for its production or as a diplomatic tool. And building it for the hammers. Yeah. I'm building it for the pretty. Well, the hammers and also, like, if you are the dominant uh, faith or whatever, like, you're the dominant civ of that faith, it really does have strong controls over, like, who's at war with who, or you could force nations to fight each other and such, so... I, so it was a very significant wonder, even beyond its ability to cheese out nonsense victories where there's only one religion that, and only one eligible person to win and that nonsense. It's good to be the Pope. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Even if you're the Pope of Hindu. And that's before we got to start renaming things. <laughs> Leaders of Zoroastrianism have come together to form their own apostolic palace. <laughs> totally historical. Totes. Anyway. I don't know enough about Zoroastrian to, to guess if that's the most ridiculous one you could do, but it probably isn't. You could probably find some one of the other religions to be more ridiculous. Zoroastrian is basically more or less on an on a obs, uh, obscurely um, societal level. It's mostly like Persian Christianity, as Zoroaster was kind of a prophet that claimed to be the son of God. I think at least that's how I understand it. 
Yeah, it just it strikes it strikes me as closer to Abrahamic than some of the others that where you could like you could kind of fudge it and make a world where if enough people followed it, you could have something like the Apostolic Palace mechanic. It's not the most ridiculous one. Is what I'm getting at. I think the most ridiculous one would be Confucian. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe Shinto. I, I think Confucian would be more so than Shinto. Just just the idea of like a central. A uh, church like that dictating things with confusion. <laughs> I think we were talking so, about dams earlier. <laughs> we were, yeah. We've got kind of spiraled out of dams. Well, if you need hammers, then you should, and you usually do, then you should get hammers. Or even if you've gotten to the point where you can build dams and you're just annoyed that this one river has flooded ten times already, and I'm on zero or zero disaster thing. Oh, game. Your ability to pick one river or one volcano and constantly make that one go off. And uh, one thing that was also brought up in the thread is the fact that you can use military engineers to rush the construction of uh, of dams and aqueducts and canals. So uh, even if your city is relatively low production and it's going to take forever to build that dam, you can always just spam military engineers from one of your more productive cities and just move the production to where you need it. And that's a big deal, because that'll help you stand new cities up sometimes. So it's, it's worth keeping that in mind. Yep. I have an inquisitive cat that is getting close. Hi, Liza. Yep, she is interested in this new mic boom. What's this new thing, paw, paw, paw? Why does it squeak? It starts chewing on it. <laughs> yeah, probably too. Just cat things. Anyway, let's uh, wrap this up with a good old outro, which I think was supposed to be Mackie, but she did the damn topic, so. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there's a a sign that I needed more coffee. I think we missed a line item here, but okay. (laughs) She wanted it, she got it. Well then, (laughs) thank you for joining us on podcast episode 395. I am the B&T, and today I was joined by Canis Albinus. Don't chew on that, Liza. (laughs) Makula. I'll brew more coffee next time. And Mega Bears fan. Yeah, is this a damn? <laughs> oh no! Damn. Now I gotta edit that out. <laughs> oh, do you really? Oh man. Yes, I do. You don't have to do anything. Darn it! Stop touching the mic, boom. I didn't think that <laughs> one would uh, would cross a line. But in the chaos, everybody have a happy new year. Indeed. Merry Christmas, everybody, and to all a good night. Time for more coffee. Yes. Civilization 3, 4, 5, Beyond Earth, and 6 Sound Clips. Copyright Take 2 Interactive. Copyright the Polycast at thepolycast.net.